I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. If tonight's movie night is just what you need, make it special with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. If you're 21 years old and use nicotine or tobacco, I'm here to tell you about Black Buffalo and how it's redefining tradition for millions of adult consumers. So if you're over 21, consume nicotine or tobacco, and want to join the Black Buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults aged 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. The king of sports books comes the king of sports podcasts. Unleashed, presented by BetMGM. Here's your hosts, Jerry Ferrara and Olivia Harlan Decker. The wait is over. Week one is here. You know, Jerry, I have a take that isn't quite as hot as your Super Bowl Sunday proposal. Uh, sorry, Super Bowl Saturday Thank proposal. You. That's It's so asinine, I can't even <laughs> say it. But I was thinking of something this past weekend, and I want your opinion on this, okay? Okay, let's hear it. Why doesn't the NFL and college football share week one? You know, Monday was Labor Day. Let people party all weekend, watching their teams, going to games, having watch parties, going to watch parties, whatever. Let college football have your Thursday kickoff, Friday slate, big Saturday slate, and then the NFL has Sunday. And the two Monday games, like usual, they could even do three or four games on that Monday Labor Day. I I just don't get why a, a league that's so centered around Sunday, why they can't take advantage of a Monday holiday. Am I crazy? No, you're not crazy. And I like the way you're thinking because as asinine – or trash, as you called my Super Bowl Saturday <laughs> take, and it is. Yeah, it is. The moral of the story is let's separate a tiny bit from traditions. I love traditions. I don't want to lose the traditions, but we got to, if we don't separate a little bit, we'll never innovate. So I'm not going to say this is a trash take. I do like it, but to me, that still feels like college football would be the, even though they're going first, they would be the main course. And it's almost like NFL would be dessert. Whereas the way it's lit up now, college football, for me anyway, this whole week is like the appetizer. And then next weekend, this Sunday coming up, is like the main course. But I I wouldn't be against what you're saying. I like to break some of these traditions in a small way. I don't think NFL would be dessert. I think NFL, the 
thing that people would worry about is that college football would get overshadowed because the NFL is king. NFL has the most absurd ratings. Like they, they beat NBA playoffs, like a random lower tier game beats big NBA playoff games. NFL is king. I think you're not alone in being someone who has a strong NFL allegiance, but not a college football team. Obviously, last week we found you one. The Chanticleers, the fighting Chanticleers, who are now 1-0. We'll get to that later. But do you think that people, more or less, are kind of one or the other? Like, they're more college football than NFL and vice versa. I don't think there's a ton of crossover, right? It's kind of a different audience. Yeah, I don't don't know how many people are out there that love college football and NFL football the same. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, it, for me, like I, I, I enjoy college football. I really like college football, but yeah, I'm, I'm not scheduling my week a, a, around all right. the games, maybe one or two games I'll schedule around with college football. Yeah. I don't think, I think with people, it's either one or the other. I just did think of one problem about your proposal. Hmm. You're talking full Saturday full Sunday might not be the greatest way to enter into a football season with some relationships. I think a lot of relationships might fail if the person who loves football is like, all right, Saturday, Sunday, I'm out. I'll, I'm not even going to be oh, able to Oh, you're saying romantic relationships. Romantic relationships. <laughs> uh, you know, divorce rate might already be high in this country. It might go higher <laughs> if that's how we enter. I just, I like, just feel like this way we're slowly entering the season as opposed to the mass hysteria that would be, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah, that could be a problem. I know my wife wouldn't love it. And she's a football fan. She would not yeah. <laughs> love that much opening weekend. Well, as always, we know there's money involved and that deciphers everything. But so many networks broadcast both college football and NFL. So I feel like they could cross promote. And there's I don't know. I'm that just my husband and I disagreed on this one this weekend. So I wanted to ask your opinion. We can also ask the opinion of someone much higher up and more informed than us. It's NFL insider from the NFL network, Ian Rappaport. He's coming on the show. I'm excited for that one, Jerry. Yeah. There's so many other things to unpack. I even had an unbelievable moment. I know we talk about our kids on this show and I don't want to mm-hmm. jump too far ahead, but I had a great moment with my, my three-year-old revolving around college football. I saw that on your Twitter that you, you guys were watching the game together and what he was like asking questions and was into it. Right. Yes, I, I I definitely don't do pressure. I I've never been a pressure guy my whole life. Like I I've, I've not been like come watch football with me. Like just yeah. I let him kind of do his own thing. But I watch football. So yeah, nine o'clock at night, he kind of came out of his room. He's like, oh hey dad, what are you doing? You watching some football? I'm like yeah. He's like oh. can I watch with you? Oh sure, sit down, have a seat. He went. He's he went and got oh his pillow. Gosh. He laid it down <laughs> next to me and he was laying down. And I was explaining. Ohio State, you know, the red jerseys, yeah. they're from where you're from, Ohio. He thought tackling was the funniest thing he ever saw. He just kept going, oh, you tripped. And he loved <laughs> punts because the ball, he could actually like really see the ball in the air. Oh. So uh, asked a few great questions. He made it a whole quarter. He watched the whole second quarter. Oh. And just when I thought he was going to like settle in for the whole game, it's like, all right, Jacob, it's halftime. Daddy's going to go make us some popcorn. He's like, no, I'm going to go in bed and sleep with mama. Good night. And he just took his little pillow and he walked off into the night. And it was, I think, maybe top three dad moments. Oh, totally. For me. And there was no pressure. He just did it on his own. Yeah. Oh, that is so adorable. So you're never going to be like, hey, kids, get an acting class. Definitely not. No, no way. Yeah, stay uh, away. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. Maybe some school plays and stuff here or there. Oh. But no, I'm not going to be the, the like, you, you got to be, yeah, you know, you're going to be an actor. If he loves it, yeah. we'll, we'll talk about it. I'm going to actually discourage it, if I'm being honest. Speaking of that Ohio State game, though, Notre Dame covered. And our friend, Peter Andrew, he told you they would. Even Pat Forty, who is much more knowledgeable than Peter Andrew, thought that Ohio State would cover. It was a 17-point spread, but the Fighting Irish hung in there, and they did it. Yeah, that was a big number. We all knew that. Look, and Notre Dame is not nearly as good as Ohio State, but they have a good defense. They're well-coached. They definitely had Ohio State playing their game in that first half. Ohio State was missing their receiver. So they slowed it down, but you kind of knew it was a matter. I actually ultimately think that type of game long-term for Ohio State will be good. They beat a quality team and kind of a totally. grind-out game. Good resume uh, Everyone's game. kind of worried because they got off to that slow start. I don't. I, I think it's actually long-term a good thing. How jacked up are you about Georgia? That must have been a good feeling oh, for you this weekend. Oh, it was incredible. It, it was incredible beating a number 11 team and only allowing three points. I mean, they... They were so great. I, I was thinking of our friend Pat Forty because he writes this cover story on Stetson Bennett. And then, of course, even in sideline reporting, which I did, is sometimes after you give a great story about, let's say, a, a second string running back or something, and then right after you finish your story, they score a touchdown. Like You're like, yes, that timing couldn't have worked better. And I was thinking of Pat when Stetson had an incredible game. He had 368 and two pass touchdowns, one rushing I mean, he he was on fire, and it just it justified the article. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's hard to say men amongst boys in college football because those are all large, strong, athletic, fast men playing. So, <laughs> but he does look like I I remember thinking this watching the game. It's he's like that kid who rolls up to the little league field, and you look at the other you look at the other dugout, and you're like, oh my god, that kid's got a mustache and he has car keys in his pocket. Did he drive <laughs> here? He's supposed to be 12 years old. That's just kind of how at ease he looks playing quarterback right now. It just looks, and I know they're loaded, but he's also playing just high, high level of confidence is the word I would use with him. He just looks unafraid of every situation. Totally. Oh, it it was glorious to watch, and we talked last week about how most of the defense departed for the NFL. Well, that doesn't seem to matter. It's, it's a strong Georgia defense. Again, last year, they were best in the nation. I'm, I'm curious to see how they play out this year. They looked stout. So I'm really hopeful about the dogs. I'm excited about that one. Your second team is Michigan <laughs> more despite your in-laws who are big Buckeye fans, but we were following the story of their quarterback of, uh, they were going to have two different starters for the first two weeks. I believe you're starting week three. But Cade McNamara started last week for Colorado State. He went nine for 18, 136, and a touchdown. J.J. McCarthy is going to start this weekend versus Hawaii. Did you follow this at all? Do you care? I do care because, and Pat really did help us out. I know we mentioned Pat 40, 15 times already. He definitely did help. <laughs> it was with, a great with, episode. Yeah, I, he, I've been talking about it all week. He definitely helped me with the, why are they playing two? why are they announcing two different quarter? They're basically announcing their starting lineup for the season now. And it's different quarterbacks. And he mentioned the whole transfer situation. He said, Harbaugh is kind of genius with this. However, and Cade was fine. That game was over before it started, and it was all kind of mop-up duty. But then J.J. McCarthy does come in. He goes four for four. Mm -hmm. He did rush for 50 yards and a touchdown on three rushes. So I think he actually still won the first week, even though it was 
kind of mop. I don't want to call it mop up duty because the whole game was mop up duty. Yeah. So I'm really interested to see what JJ does next week because at some point someone's going to play better and you have to. Yeah. You, you know, they're not going to be playing Colorado State every week. At some point, tough decisions against good teams are coming. Yeah, something we didn't ask Pat about last week that I wish we had. Uh, of course, it didn't break until the weekend, but still a really interesting topic that has been anticipated for years is the new college football playoff. So it's expanding, finally. A lot of people wanted that, myself included, uh, to 12 teams, implemented no later than 2026. So it's coming. I think people wish it was here sooner than later because this is going to make college football that much more interesting. So much so that I think it's time to unleash. It's time to unleash. I think it makes the whole season more interesting start to finish because otherwise a team who lost week one, you know, we just finished week one, you'd be pretty much out of it. And remember, Jerry, in college football, it's much more nuanced. You, you have to have a resume. It's not how many wins you have. It's who you beat. You know, in the NFL, it's kind of a numbers game. It doesn't matter if people respect the team you just beat. You just got to beat them. Got to win your division. Got to win your conference to advance to the Super Bowl. In college football, it's like, well, you know, they they beat Notre Dame week one, but uh, Notre Dame was really shorthanded, so it's not as impressive as it might have been. Like, that truly is the type of conversation that we're having as we get closer to selecting the four teams who play in the playoffs. So I like that it makes everything more juicy. You know what I mean? It's not like a single elimination week one, which has happened. So it makes the whole season more important. I think it's way more attractive for players to play in this now playoff. Let's say you're the 12th team to make it. Well, you might have been playing in the Goodyear Tire Bowl. And if you're a guy who's wanting to go to the draft, you would skip it because you want to make sure you don't get hurt. Well, now, instead of playing in the Goodyear Tire Bowl, you're playing in a playoff game. You're going to play. It's important to you. It's important to your team. You're not going to sit out. So I think that is so much more enticing to the viewer to have stars playing longer. And then with NIL, more teams and players in the playoff, now they have more of a chance to cash in. If you're a star running back on, I keep kind of using this reference, but the 12th team in, well, now maybe he's just signed a nice little deal for an extra 10, 20 grand to do something in your town for, you know what I mean? It just, this stuff adds up, it accumulates. And then I think most importantly, it's the chance of an upset. It makes it more like March Madness. When you have more teams, you have, you never know who's going to get hot at the right time. And, you know, injuries really play a big role. When you think of Alabama last year, their top two receivers, one went down in the SEC championship, one went down in the national championship. Think if there was a third game in there. Think if those had been two playoff games before they got to national championship game. That's interesting. That's really interesting. So I, I think all of it makes college football a little sexier. You know, you want, you want a bigger playoff. It just feels like more is at stake. So I'm all for it. I'm excited. Look, as someone who self-admittedly, look, I, I like college football. I don't yeah. love it because I just don't have the bandwidth. Yeah. But if you're telling if you're using that magic word that we all love, playoff games, it and oh, I thought you were gonna say sexy. Right. It's <laughs> odd because, you know, baseball was kind of the first to expand the playoff system. Mm -hmm. People balked at it at first, and it's probably the best thing baseball has going right now. 
Obviously, the NBA is now messing with this plan, which everyone loves for the most Love. part. I yeah. just think, like you said, they're taking a book, a, a play, a page out of college basketball's book, and now you have the Cinderella story. College mm-hmm. football never had. The Cinderella story can't be like 15 and two. That's not a Cinderella story. But Mm -hmm. in college football, if you were to sneak out a national championship at 15 and two, you were probably the underdog going in if you had two losses on your schedule. Well, like Cincinnati last year. Yeah. Cincinnati last year was a quote college football Cinderella story because they're a lower tier school. But I agree. Yeah. So you like it too? Dumb guy question here. Okay. Are they going to go right to 12 or do we not know? Or are they going to slowly, are they going to go four, eight, and then 12? Are they jumping right from four to 12? No, they're going to jump four to 12. That is a lot. That is I, I, <laughs> side note. And we got to get Pat 40 back. Maybe do one year with eight, test the waters, and then maybe up at the 12, <laughs> you're just jumping right to 12. I don't know, but they're a lot smarter than I am. So, well, that is for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm all for it. But yeah, I, I feel like, you know, obviously it was just voted on, it was just agreed upon. So it's too late to have it for this season. But I just wish they'd do it next season. Just yeah. Yeah. let's go, let's do it. Because then if you're, let's say you're a team that probably would have made the top 12, but right now you're a junior. You know, you're like, I- I'm never going to see the playoff because my team's not going to be a top four team this year or next year, but we would be a top 12 team. Like we're one of the 12 best the country so it's you know like just now that now that it's dangling right in front of these guys let's get to it yeah and it's gonna affect so many like it, it'll affect the nfl draft which will be cool we all know totally. become prisoner of the moment with the playoff system and the national championship game so now there'll be some like you said 10 11 12 seeds who we would not be watching play playoff games we're gonna get a look so it's gonna even affect the nfl draft so this is really cool that was the unleashed section and now we have a new game And I'm excited for this one. It's called That's the Ticket. Yeah, that's the ticket. So as we are going to talk week one games with Peter in a little bit, first we're going to have some fun with some futures. And they're going to be kind of random, which I love, because I love picking either a bad team to bet like a low under on for win totals or, you know, a random player prop. Like these are the fun ones because then you have interest in something otherwise you wouldn't. You know what I mean? From a betting angle. Do you want me to throw the first random one at you? Please, yeah. Okay. And these are random, but actually these are some kind of props that I love. Okay, For let's sure. start with one that actually will start up pretty much Thursday because we're going to have at least a player or two involved in this Thursday night Rams-Bills. Most regular season receptions. We have Cooper Cup plus 400. Obviously, I think he had 400 receptions last year. Devontae Adams, now in the Raiders, <laughs> plus 850. Justin Jefferson, getting a lot of love, plus 900. Or Stephon Diggs, plus 900. What do you think? Well, he didn't have 400. He had 145 I receptions knew there was a four last in there year. Somewhere. Cooper Cup did. <laughs> uh, yeah, he had 145 last year. And that was sharing with OBJ when he joined the Rams in November. So now, and I mean, obviously other players, but those two cut the bulk. Now it's just Cup. And Van Jefferson, and of course, they added Allen Robinson. I know you're a big Allen Robinson fan. Those are the starters. They also drafted Tutu Atwell, who I think will contribute. But Cup will get the bulk of the targets, obviously. You know, OBJ was a star and kind of brought in his own style. But now I feel like Cup's receptions are even going to go up from 145. So 
It's chalk. He's plus 400. I, I like Cup here. I also don't think Devontae Adams is going to be as great without Rodgers. I hate to say that, but it's uh, I probably sound like a biased, bitter Packer fan when I say that. The only other one that was kind of intriguing to me was Stephon Diggs. And again, we'll we'll find out sooner than later on that one. You know, he's healthy and, and that's going to be good. But for me, I'm going Cooper Cup at plus 400. Do you like that or would you leave it? I do. You, it's hard to it's hard to not love that. Like I had 145 receptions last year. If I were to make any other case, I would make the Justin Jefferson case. You know, different coaching situation there. Thielen hopefully back and healthy, which may help Justin Jefferson not get fully double covered. I just think Justin Jefferson is poised for this kind, kind of, of maybe record kind of year. I don't know, but uh, yeah, I'd like the plus nine hundred. But Cooper Cup, you can't you can't argue with Cooper Cup because there was no OBJ in the Super Bowl. That was their only receiver, and he still had like one hundred and fifty receptions in the Super Bowl. So even with all eyes on yeah. him, OBJ had like what two catches, and one of them was for a touchdown right before he got hurt. Right. I will say OBJ didn't didn't start the season there, so Cooper Cup did have a solid month month and a half. That's true. Without OBJ to pile up, I mean, God, it, it was insane. But they got Stafford yeah. there. I love it. I do love Cooper Cup most regular season receptions. Okay, you brought up Stafford. Let's stick with quarterbacks. I'm going to throw the next one at you. Most regular season interceptions thrown. So we got Zach Wilson at plus 800, Justin Fields at plus 900, and Trevor Lawrence plus 1,000. So I think Trevor Lawrence was the leader in interceptions last year. Don't quote me on that. I think or he was tied for the lead in interceptions. I think Trevor Lawrence takes a step up this year. Hopefully that means less interceptions Uh, I like Justin Fields on this. I like him as a player. I don't even really put this on him. I do think there might be a level of maybe running for his life with that O-line, although they're showing some signs. Zach Wilson, plus 800. He may miss a game, although there are talks that he might be ready for week one, which uh, and I think Ian yeah, might have helped report that. So that would be really, really cool. Eileen Justin Fields, plus 900. I didn't check the odds on this other player who came to my mind. And I'm going to put our producer, Joel Solomon, on blast right now because I, I was kind of on the move getting the kid to school. And I said, anyone know what's Jameis Winston's odds on leading in interception? We know Jameis, oh, okay. you know, famously <laughs> threw a lot of interceptions, sure. a lot of pick sixes pretty much. And Joel sent me the Jameis Winston odds and then also just thought it would be fine to send me the Daniel Jones interception odds. I didn't ask for those. Ouch. I don't know why he did that. I did not ask for the Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is a fumbler. Let's get one thing straight. He's a fumbler. (laughs) He's not necessarily, he might not throw enough to have INT. Get it right. I I, I think Justin Fields at plus 900 is, would be my call. Okay. I disagree because I think the Bears are going to be so run heavy. I don't think they're letting them off the leash yet. And I agree that Trevor Lawrence is going to be much improved, but he's so young. uh, I I don't know. I think he he could lead from those three. I think he would have the most regular season interceptions at plus one thousand. So that one that one we disagree on. And yeah, Zach Wilson might play week one, which is nuts. That that's just coming out. Okay, here's another QB one. How many passing yards will Tom Brady record in the regular season? The number is four thousand five hundred forty nine and a half. What do you think? Over or under? I, I think over. It's a coin flip to me. But I'm not, I, I, I've been scorned by this already, thinking, oh, this is the year Brady's done. And he won like three more Super Bowls after that. So I'm not, <laughs> I know this year might be a big under year on props for a lot of players out there. I'm not an under guy. 
I lean over here. Uh, I know there's weapons issues with Godwin coming back from an ACL and Russell Gages. I, I get it, but still, I I think he's got enough there, and I think with that division, he could easily throw for for the over on that. So I'm going to say under, and, and you're you're not wrong. Both years he's been in Tampa Bay, he's had over that number, but now he loses Gronk, he loses Antonio Brown. Mike Evans is working back from injury and probably won't go week one is what I'm seeing. Russell Gage is injured. Chris Godwin is coming back. And I guess just this week practice without a brace. So that's a big deal. They brought in Julio Jones, but I think there are enough question marks there. You know, he's kind of lost his two guys. You know, he was a big proponent of Antonio Brown through everything. And, and obviously Gronk's his guy, but I, I think this might be an under year for him. Again, not saying that they can't still win, but I don't know if, He's going to completely air it out like that because, yeah, I, I just think his stable is a little bit depleted. And, you know, his last two years in New England before he became a Buccaneer, he was under that number. So I don't know. I'm going under. Okay, here's another one. How many receiving touchdowns will Kyle Pitts record in the regular season? The number is four and a half. So I love Kyle Pitts. Everyone loves Kyle Pitts. One, such a mm-hmm. talented, excited. I mean, he's basically a wide receiver at a tight at tight end. He's better than most wide receivers at this point. And I know touchdowns definitely wasn't his thing last year, although he had an all pro year. He only had one, one touchdown. I know I had him in like all fantasy leagues. One receiving touchdown. Yeah. Cause it's very easy to key in on him inside the red zone. And even inside the 30 yard line, if they're not double covering Kyle Pitts, I would question every D coordinator. That being said, I, I do lean under cause I just don't know if there's enough around him to Garner the four, the five touchdowns to get the over. So I lean under. I like under here. I will say, though, if it does go over, I do think it's because he just has one monster game where he has like four touchdowns in a game. And I think that's what will maybe get him over. You know, I, yeah, some matchup. with It's not going to be against New Orleans, but, you know, I think they play the Seahawks. That could be easily a game he has four touchdowns. Yeah, your Seahawks. Yeah. He might just do it against your Seahawks, but you know your Seahawks are going to win the division. So I, even if he has four touchdowns, they're still going to find a way to beat him. <laughs> okay, no, you said it wasn't over wins, wasn't it? Win the division. Win the division wasn't a lock. It was my lottery <laughs> ticket, but the over <laughs> okay. wins, which I think is over five and okay. a half, is my lock. Was your yes. lock? <laughs> oh God, what did I do? Okay, Super Bowl division winning team. AFC East is plus 450, AFC West plus 350, NFC West plus 500, NFC South plus 600. I'm going with AFC West. Obviously, I think tip to tail, they're the most stacked, definitely when it comes to the quarterback position. I just think there are too many good teams in that division that I like the odds of one of the four making it to the Super Bowl or win. But ultimately, I do see the Bills from the AFC East winning the AFC so that's uh, that's a tough one. But I guess for a bet, I like the AFC West at plus 350. Plus 350 is a good number for that. You're essentially getting a whole division, which I don't think any of these other divisions have the, even the possibility of four teams winning the Super Bowl, even though it's highly unlikely that the, the, you know, the Raiders will win the Super Bowl, although I do like the Raiders this year. I'm going to go a little different on it. Interestingly enough, no NFC East. Uh, here wow shocking we didn't even bring up the nfc east and what their odds are plus two million probably i like i sort of like the nfc west you get the rams who easily could get back there you mm-hmm. the niners obviously if trey lance figures out some things niners are super talented and we know i love 
the Seahawks here. And everyone's writing off the Cardinals. And I sort of am too, but I, NFC West at plus 500. AFC West is the way to go. But if you wanted a second choice, NFC West with a little sprinkling might be okay at plus 500. Yeah, because you like the Rams. I'm with you. I'm with you. All right, let's stick with the NFL and let's bring in our guest. Perhaps only Jalen Ramsey covers the NFL as well as he does. NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport is here. All right, let's get down to brass tacks. Right before we were here, you had a shirt that said, gotta go, gotta text. You are... (laughs) The guy who gets all the latest and greatest information. And I know you were even a little late coming on here because you were finishing up something. So do you have any scoop for us? Anything recent in the last couple of days? I have so much swimming around in my brain that I'm, I'm sure some of it will come out. I mean, it's weird because like, you know, we got a couple of days before the season starts and so many of the different storylines for the off season are kind of culminating here. And like some of them have been handled already. Like, Deshaun Watson is done. Obviously, Baker Mayfield was traded. Russell Wilson got a new contract. Lamar Jackson still, as of right now, does not have a new contract. But, like, it's weird because I personally, like, like I love football. So I get so excited for so excited for the season to start. And some of the reason is because we start new with what I do, which is news. All the offseason stuff is, like, rounding to a close. And it's like, by the time we get to yeah. Thursday night, It'll basically be a clean slate. And it's like, okay, like, what are we going to have? And like, what's the year going to be like? Like, That's the really good stuff for me. I'm excited. Yeah, I almost said too, I'm like, I'm so happy to have you on and talk to you. I'm like, we got to hope he comes back because you're right. It's kind of winding down. We're going to get a fresh slate of stories and narratives coming up. So I hope you you do come back. But this has definitely been a strange offseason, at least as a fan watching all this. Like, where does this one kind of rank for you in bizarre? You know, you got Tom Brady. You mentioned Deshaun Watson. Does this one rank up in bizarre kind of stories? Yeah, I mean, the Deshaun Watson story, which was like never ending. I mean, Mm. you know, think about it. We had all year. So like there were times in June, and I'm not talking this June. I mean, last June. So 2021, where I thought Deshaun Watson would be traded at some point over the next week. That was last June. And he wasn't traded for, you know, many, many, many months after that. Uh, Didn't play at all. And then gets traded, which was massive. And then it's like, all right, four months of what's going to be a suspension, what's going to happen, various disciplinary things. Like, So we had that hanging over us at all times. We had the Baker Mayfield trade going into the summer. Like, I broke that from the 15th green of congressional in Washington, D.C., playing (laughs) golf with a buddy of mine. It just, it never stopped. The Aaron Donald contract, like, was he going to retire? Was he not? Like, all of those things. So I don't know if it was like the craziest, but it was definitely one where like you couldn't really put the phone down because there were various times where you're like, all right, this massive news is going to happen in the middle of June and we're all just going to react to it. I mean, that's good stuff. The Baker Mayfield, you just jogged my memory. I believe it was your co-worker, Cynthia Freeland, that he said, I'm going to F the Browns up. So that game's coming up this weekend. It's going to be massive, probably as one of the best storylines going into these week one games. What do you expect out of Baker and the Panthers? And, and what do you expect for the Browns to bring without Deshaun Watson, as you mentioned? But, you know, Miles Garrett seems like he really wants to get to Baker as well. Yeah. So I'm like a weird person to ask on Baker. And you guys know, like, I'm a news person. I break news. Yeah. I'm not a scout, right? I don't analyze the film. But 
I feel like Baker's good. And last year, if you go back to last October, Baker tears a labrum on his left shoulder. If he sits down and doesn't, if he doesn't play, like he's a tough dude. He was definitely playing. If he sits down and doesn't play, I think he's still on the Browns Mm -hmm. because we wouldn't have had all the negative stuff. We would have still thought he was the Browns franchise quarterback. Instead, he played bad last year. He was injured and obviously got traded. I still see him as a guy who's a top half of the league quarterback who can be really good. And the fact that he's facing his old team is always fun. So I expect a really good performance. The thing with the Browns is, I mean, obviously we spent so much time talking about Deshaun and he's all of the off-field stuff aside as only a football player. He is a mm-hmm. fantastic quarterback. Mm-hmm. I think the roster is pretty good. So I would expect a close game, but you know, for a team like the Panthers that I think a lot of people have written off, like I, I would, I think they're going to be okay this year. You know, another situation that's, I don't want to say confused me, but maybe you could just clear it for me is the 49ers QB situation. I know we probably will follow that closely too. And where's Jimmy G going to go? And then he's staying. Is ultimately this a good thing? Like what, where does Jimmy G go from here? Like what's his ideal scenario? Is it seeing the field or is it taking a year off and then making some other decisions in a year from now? Yeah, see, that's a great question. And this is one when I was trying to figure out you know, I knew he wouldn't get traded because I knew there was no market for him. Uh, by the way, that was one of the other storylines that was like never ending this summer, right? But I knew he wouldn't get traded absent some quarterback injury. So I kept thinking in my head, all right, well, they're going to cut him and then he's going to wait because why would he go sign with the Seahawks, which I never thought that was possible anyway, but like get healthy, get cut, and then some good team will lose a quarterback. It happens every year and just go ride to the rescue set himself up for a big year next year and go ahead and make a lot of money. Instead, the 49ers keep him, but some of that is still in play. Like one, if there's an injury, step in for a system he knows. Two, like what if Trey Lance is up and down and what if he's not ready? And that is all possible. Like I think he'll be okay, but I don't know that for sure. And I was there in camp and he was, you know, there was some good, some really not so good. So to me, like, just for Jimmy G, the best case scenario is he rides to the rescue and plays well enough to lead them to the playoffs and forces them to make an unbelievably brutal decision in the offseason. That's a great scenario for him. The other scenario of not playing, I think he'll go into free agency next year and be absolutely fine and probably make a ton of money anyway. Another high-profile player who we don't really know where he'll find a home as early as this season is OBJ. What teams do you think have legitimate interest in OBJ? Yeah, I mean, I would say to me, the Rams still feel like maybe the most likely option. Mm. They still have a need. He loves them. I mean, he crashed Sean McVay's wedding, which is so messed up because you got to throw the guy an invite, right? Oh, so he wasn't invited at all. No, they only invited the captains. Okay. (laughs) Because otherwise, you know what happens. Like you can, I mean, we had 98 people at our wedding. We cut the list pretty hard. Yeah. McVay's a great dude. He knows everyone. Like you could invite a million people. So he crashed. And... (laughs) You know, there's so much good feeling there. I think that makes sense. It's just a matter of like, doesn't it make more sense for him to wait? Like, that's another Mm -hmm. one where like, he's not gonna be able to play till probably November. So early November, probably. So if that's the case, then maybe there's a market. Maybe, Maybe there's three teams that need a really fast, really good receiver in November. But if we're talking about favorite teams... You know, can I just selfishly talk? I'm a little concerned. Not concerned. That's not the right word. Very, very excited about the Giants' new coach, Brian Dable, right? Love that. 
was hoping he would call the plays. I look forward to seeing him with the big like cheesecake factory member, you know, like he got a million plays. looks like a menu. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, he says, Oh, plays are going to be calling from the booth from Kafka. Like that, that's not a big deal. Right. I don't need to panic about something like that. Right. No, you shouldn't panic. I, I would say like when they hired Kafka, I sort of thought, all right, he's probably going to be the play caller because otherwise he wouldn't leave. Right. Right. So in my head, like I didn't know for sure, but I'm like kind of putting it together and nobody would tell me like it was all very secretive, but I'm like, all right, this makes sense if he was going to call the plays because otherwise you stay in Kansas City with Mahomes. Right. I would also say that it's such an issue for a head coach. You know, you you're the play caller, you're the head coach, and then something goes wrong. And it's like, are you going to give up play calling? You know, it's such a storyline like. As a head coach, he will have input. He'll help with the game plan. Most important is to be the leader. Just, you know, like let's say the defense has trouble. Like you should be able to spend a Wednesday during the with the defense without worrying that it's going to affect the play calling. So it does free him up to lead this team. And so I think that should be encouraging. That said, like there is a possibility that is a difficult year for the Giants, which is okay. But I think there's a possibility. Like they did not add a lot in the offseason. They don't have any money, and we'll see what Daniel Jones is. Like, there's it could go either way, but it's possible that it's not ideal. Ugh, I think I need a second team too, like Olivia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's jump, smart yeah. to always have two teams. <laughs> just jump on. You just wait. Be like, be like Odell. Just wait till November and jump on board. I wish I had <laughs> yeah. that luxury. It's ingrained in me. These Giants. Oh, yeah. Another player who is kind of in a precarious situation is Alvin Kamara. His potential suspension is delayed. It's expected to be six games for his alleged involvement in a Las Vegas nightclub fight. What can Saints fans and fantasy football fans expect as far as his availability? What are you hearing? Timing-wise, it doesn't... We'll see, but it doesn't seem like it will be this year because the hearing has been pushed and pushed. I think now it's tentatively scheduled for somewhere in the middle of the season, but like. You know how it goes. Everything takes forever. So my sense is this is something that's pushed through this year and you deal with it next year. And like, I know people think it'll be six games. We'll see. Like, we don't know. I don't know what he did. I don't know what evidence there is. Like, obviously, I was not there. And we haven't seen anything except the initial police sort of report that was made public. So we'll see how many games it is. I just get the sense timing wise that it's not this year. And everything is always push, push, push. So that's probably the way it goes. So like for the Saints, I think he's going to end up playing this year. And my my guess is he's going to have a really, really good year and that the offense is going to be pretty good. And Ian, kind of on that note, with the Deshaun Watson case, all of a sudden everyone became a lawyer as we're dissecting what was happening. Can you explain to everyone why the NFL can't almost handle probate by themselves in terms of a suspension on their own terms, apart from what happens in the courts? Well, they do and they don't. So basically the new system this year, and it was jointly negotiated in the CBA, the union did not want Roger Goodell to be the judge, jury, and executioner. Mm -hmm. They did not want him to just decide. So they added this extra layer. Now, if Goodell had his druthers, it likely would have been a full season. The independent arbitrator made it six games. They end up meeting somewhere in the middle and it's 11 games. So it's, I would say, a little more fair. But the problem is, you know, the NFL, I think they so often they have to wait until the criminal proceedings go through because they don't want to interfere with like, you know, if the NFL starts talking to witnesses of something, not about Mm -hmm. Deshaun, but anything. Well, then does that change things? 
Does something that is said to the NFL alter what the police are going to do? So, you know, we all, because we're football fans, care about like, are they going to play? Are they going to be suspended? What's it going to be like? Right. But the real world, it's like, is this not to Sean, but anyone like, is this person going to jail? Like, yeah. did they do some sort of serious crime? So that's actually the most important thing. And then the NFL basically comes second because they don't want to interfere with like an ongoing investigation, et cetera. You know, I feel like switching topics for a second, because you mentioned you got a text or something while you were on the golf course, you broke a story. You would be one of the few people, I think it's like doctors, you know, or, you know, people delivering babies. And you, I feel like it's totally <laughs> cool to be on the golf course and be like, guys, I got to. I got to take this. Sorry. I, I wouldn't be mad at you if I'm on the tee and your phone rang. Normally I turn around like, whose phone's on? You would be one of the few people <laughs> that's not a doctor or delivering a baby that if your phone went off, I'd be like, oh, let's let's stop the golf match for a minute. Uh, what's going on in your phone? Yeah, I, it, it is actually a great thing. Now, I, a lot of times I wish it did not go off like right. that. And like I play a lot of golf in the offseason. I play a real lot of golf and I'm just resigned to the fact that like I'm going to be sending texts. I'll be getting calls. I got my AirPods. You try not to be a total jerk. And it's just part of my life. And I think people, you know, everyone I'm with knows what I do. So if there's a call, yeah. two things happen. I could go, oh, I got to take this. And they go, go ahead. Like even my wife, who, you know, you'd think. Would <laughs> That's be, what I was going to ask. You think she'd be, you know, used to it and fed up like anyone. Like if I leave a conversation and get a call, she knows it's important. So she will almost, she, she never says anything. It's never like. Why do you have to take this? She knows if I'm taking yeah. it, I need to take it. The other thing is everyone's like, yeah, your friends must annoy you, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, who, who's it? Can I see your phone? Can I see your phone? Like that's, you know, and, and like, you know, there's always, you play golf with three people. If you get three calls in the span of two minutes, they're always like, who is it? Yeah. Who is it? So you're like, can I trust you guys? Like, let me tell you what's going on. So like when I was working on the Mayfield trade at Congressional with one of my high school buddies. And actually, and his father-in-law, actually, I had to be like, all right, guys, I'm going to tell you what's going on. Don't say oh. anything. And this, so it was like a half hour where the only people who knew what was happening were me and then like my playing oh. as we like shorted it out. It's it kind of fun. And they all had a, they all had a great kick out of it. It was, so they enjoyed themselves. What a perk of being your friend. <laughs> well, it's also like generally annoying too, because you have to deal yeah. with me like, like, can you shut up? I'm trying to putt. Like, that happens too. Now I really want to golf with you. What? Sorry, go ahead, Olivia. Now I really You're want to right. golf with you. Come on. Come out to my course. I'm mediocre. It's oh, perfect. we'll talk off the air then. Great. Sorry, go ahead, Olivia. No, so you you, you wouldn't like it because I would have a lot of entourage questions. I was a big entourage. No, fan. I feel like it's got to be uh, a trade hey, Hit him with one. Like, Yeah, go ahead, Ian. You ask a question. Well, I would say I don't have questions, but I did want to say one thing about entourage. So when I was like 24, I moved to Mississippi. And, and then I moved to Alabama, Mississippi for two years, Alabama for three years, then Boston. We traveled around the country and Entourage was one of my favorite shows and, you know, never missed an episode. I was all in and I missed my, and like when I was in Mississippi, like I didn't really know anyone. So I didn't really have any friends and the like togetherness and bond that you guys had in the show was something I like held on to because I was not oh. with my friends and it was like actually like really meaningful. Because like oh my gosh. this, I know, seriously, like it made me feel like close with my buddies so watching sweet. you guys and like whatever happened on screen there. I mean, you, you know how good it was, right? I mean, it was like, I'm sure it was like pretty organic and awesome, but like 
it has a special place in my heart as someone who traveled around the country a lot of times by themselves. So it was pretty cool. I mean, that I, I appreciate that in so <laughs> many ways. Uh, but that and that's the thing with the show. I always tell people like Hollywood was the backdrop. The show was about friendship. The show was about four guys from Queens who got in this extraordinary scenario and always said we're gonna do this together. All the Hollywood stuff, that mm. stuff is great. It's funny, got a lot out of it, but the show's about friendship. That's always what it was. That that means a lot. No, we all right. We're golfing. Yeah. This is settled before. Maybe maybe we can get it in before. <laughs> I don't know what. I don't even know what a good time is for you because I feel like you're a very busy guy, busier than me. I'm a Tuesday only golfer during the season. In the off season in April after the draft, then it's all okay. You know, noted. Noted. We'll figure it out. <laughs> Tuesday only. Why Tuesday? That's my. No news that's breaks my only on day. the Tuesday. Okay. No, but so basically, like the way the season is, like you know. I prepare for Sunday for our pregame show. Like for my, mm -hmm. like me and Schefter and Glazer, like that's when our, a lot of our big stuff comes. And you know, so you prepare news for Sunday. Then you watch the games. And like we mm -hmm. usually like have friends over or go somewhere. Like it's pretty chill. And then by like three or four o'clock, like the injuries start to come in. And yeah. I kind of got to like get to work. And then Monday is all like who's injured, which quarterbacks are being replaced. Did anyone get fired? Like all that stuff is Monday's like crazy. Tuesday, you know, like there'll be a couple kicker tryouts or like someone's bringing in someone because someone got injured. And so Tuesday, sort of you clean up some things, but Tuesday's like my only off day. And then Wednesday, it kind of ramps back up. Players are back mm -hmm. in the building, like that kind of stuff. So that's kind of the way my my week kind of lays out. It's weird, but Tuesday's my off day. You know, you're pretty rare in this business that you could actually enjoy watching the games. So you said Sunday, like you have friends over, you, you're just sitting around watching the games. Yeah, it's great. That's very rare. It's actually really weird because people are always like, oh, like, you know, we would have, we, you know, we'd want to do something, but I know you're working. And I'm like, I'm not working. Like, I'm watching the game. It's great. Because, you know, like Thursday night, like they will kick off and everyone I would talk to is watching the game. Now, a lot of them will text me like, you know, coaches or GMs or agents or what they'll text me during the game, just react because it's fun. But mm -hmm. like nobody wants to talk to me during the game. Like they all want to watch sure. a game and there's a lot of games. So like Sunday at two o'clock, every single person I would talk to is busy. Sure. So you just, just watch the games and have fun. And like, I like my job a lot it is intense and it is weird. And it makes me do strange things <laughs> like get up in the middle of a conversation <laughs> and not say, sorry, just start talking to someone. But I like my job a lot and I love football. So like I really get to enjoy football like anyone else, even though I have this kind of other weird job about it, you know? Yeah. No, I love that. You know, we were recently talking about the Manti Teo documentary on Netflix oh, and so it was good. kind of so good. It was kind of a heat check in the journalism world, right? To not take everything for face value. And there's even a phrase in journalism if your mother says she loves you, check on it. <laughs> Have you ever been lied to by a source or gotten screwed on not double checking something you were told? Yeah, I did actually. Uh, now, first of all, documentary was great. Yeah. And it's crazy because like you shouldn't have to check. Is this girlfriend real or not? Like I would never right. think to check that. But mm -hmm. the story was incredible. I mean, Deadspin's reporting is not perfect. Like they let us down a road where like, you sort of blamed him, even though that really wasn't fair, but we didn't know at the time. I know, Jerry. That's what I said. I told you. It was, you know, Manti Teo was very sad, but not 
complicit. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, so I had probably my most like famous one, also the most painful for me, was when Antonio Brown was going to get traded from the Steelers. You know, like remember the playoff yeah. game? Like I think he showed up in a fur coat. Like, it was all a mess, and we everyone knew he was going to get traded. And the big story of that offseason was where's he going? Well, I knew the Bills and the Steelers were in like intense negotiations. The deal was basically done. They had terms. I knew the terms. I knew the trade was about to happen. And I wanted to break it so bad that when the trade was close, I reported it. So, and I had really good sources. The deal is close between Antonio Brown going from the Steelers to the Bills. Well, as I reported it, the contract negotiations were going on for his new contract and they could not come to terms on it. So I reported it like 1130 without talking to every single person involved, but talking to enough sources where I felt very comfortable. And at 11.30, I reported, no one confirmed, no one denied, no one said anything. Like other reporters, whatever. And I was like, that's mm -hmm. weird. Okay. Around 3.30, when contract talks broke down, then everyone denied it. Wow. And I woke up at five and, you know, the Bills had a statement where they were like, Yes, we explored Antonio Brown, but we will not be trading for him. So, like, at the time, I wasn't wrong, but, you know, I was wrong. And it changed the way I reported because, hmm. you know, there are definitely stories where I get beat on now where I am I am going to wait until I hear from this specific person because this could be wrong. Wow. And other people will come out with it. They'll say this deal is close. And I'm like, I will wait. I will just wait because... You got to know it. You got to know it 100%. And it's got to be buttoned up. And if there's, so I will now make absolute sure to get in touch with all parties before I break something like that because it could go sideways. And then in the end, I didn't check enough. And that has changed the way I do my job. Mm. Yeah. I, I could only imagine. Now it sucked at the time, but no, yeah. I can only, yeah, listen. Yeah. I could only imagine that feeling too of like, you know, when you, I'm sure there's stuff that you probably even have where like, yeah, if I, God, I could have reported this yesterday and it, and it held up. And, but no, I, mm -hmm. it's definitely all the time. And, and there are people who are like, Hey, you know, you're on it, but you, know, you got to hold off and someone else gets it. And like, it's aggravating. Yeah. But in the end, I care that I'm first. Schefter cares that he's first. Like, mm -hmm. there's not a lot of people who really are like, who broke that? You know, only thing they care about is, are you right? And if you're wrong, yeah. it is terrible. You just got me thinking on your last answer, actually. And I just got to ask, because Adam Schefter is your competition. You know, you obviously work for different networks and you both mm -hmm. are just hit for tap breaking news. What kind of relationship do you guys have? Do you ever share anything or are you true competitors? Are you friends? I would say we definitely have shared things. You know, there's some yeah. things that only he and I would talk about or would care about yeah. or would experience. There's some People that have been not so nice to us in a similar way, mm -hmm. we will sometimes talk about that. You know, we'll email back and forth every once in a while if something comes up that's that's relevant. And when you see him, you know, we're always friendly. It's pretty intense. I think both of us care about our jobs a lot. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's personal, though. Like, there's nothing that he would do or that I would do against the other one. Like, it's not like yeah. that. It's just very very intense because we both want to win and we both like our jobs a lot. Well, 
we only have a few nights before uh, we actually get to see some games. Okay, that is there. Exciting. And you know, Exciting. everyone's talking Chiefs. So the Rams are going to get back. Bills. There's so many trendy picks. Is there a team that you're just looking at that no one's really talking about? I'm not saying, oh, they're going to make a Super Bowl run, but we all know who everyone's talking about. Is there a team out there that no one's talking about that you're just like, this could be interesting? I'm not saying make a bold Super Bowl pick. Who's interesting to you? Yeah. Uh, I'll give you a couple teams that I like think about. Like, I think the Texans, I don't know that they're going to make the playoffs, but I think they will be in the mix. Davis mm. Mills might be, might be good. Yeah. Like he, he, there's not a lot of third or fourth rounders who turn out to be stars. There's Russ, there's Dak, Brady's okay. Davis Mills might be good. And I think like, they're not, again, they're not perfect, but they're kind of building that core and they're really young. So every year there's one team that's too young and naive and doesn't know anything and is good and doesn't realize they shouldn't be that good. And like, it might be the Texans. I'd say that's one. The other team that, you know, I think is going to be really good is the Raiders. And it's not like that sexy, but their division is so hard. I think they're, you know, Josh McDaniel's first time as a head coach did not go great. He's got a much better infrastructure this time. He's got a really good quarterback and his offense is awesome. And they got Devontae Adams. So I think the Raiders are going to be really, really good. They're not perfect, but I think they're going to be really, really good. Those are kind of my two teams to watch, I would say. Thank you so much. Honestly, I really do hope you come back. That was awesome. And God, see, it's here. It's finally here. Let's just go already. No, I'm so excited. So excited. Thanks, Let's go. Ian. Thank you guys very much for having me. You are awesome, and I would be happy to come on again, no doubt about it. Thank you. watching Entourage for the first time, as our loyal listeners know, and each week I get to ask you questions, behind the scenes stuff, juicy, juicy intimate details of how the show was shot, everything, a lot of celebrity cameos, so it's it's a lot of fun to pick your brain on this. One celebrity cameo that I think has almost been the best yet, as I'm still about halfway through season two, is Bob Saget. R.I.P. Bob Saget. He was so funny in about the two episodes they had him in, I don't know if he's in more as I move forward, he's raunchy as hell, which I always, you know, know he's so different from his full house persona. But what was it like with Bob Saget? Was there anything off of the set that was interesting about him that you remember? So, look, obviously I grew up on Full House, like most kids my age, mm-hmm. and Full House was one of those shows that no matter your age, you've seen it at some point. So I, I was super excited. Yeah. Yeah, he was he was ready for all that. Most people wouldn't have wanted to do a cameo like that where they're sort of living at yeah. a, I guess you could say a brothel, <laughs> you know, yeah. Beverly Hills yeah, brothel. Yeah, high-end Beverly Hills yeah, brothel, so. yeah. Okay, so then after that, you guys go to Sundance for Queens Boulevard, the poster behind you, which I told you now I finally get it. And it's such a good, I've been to Sundance. It's so freaking cool. It's unlike anything else. And I was curious, were you there during actual Sundance or... Did you somehow fake that? No, we were there. That was always some of the best parts of Entourage were once or twice a year, we would always leave LA and go on location Mm -hmm. somewhere. I even mentioned last week, like we shot at like Laker games and stuff like that. So yeah, we went to Sundance and it was weird because the whole festival is going on there and other actors are there and all these directors. And then there we are with our cameras. And again, at this point, people still didn't really know 
what Entourage was. Like they were starting to to hear about it. That episode always stands out as one of my favorites. But also, you know, you never know at the time. I remember shooting it with the whole turtle and drama crossing swords storyline. Yeah, that was hilarious. I didn't see that coming with with the hot chauffeur. Yeah. I didn't see and that coming. And in my mind, like that was always, oh, this is like a funny joke. It's a joke. It's a bit. It's funny. It's definitely not going to be the thing people talk about from this episode because there's so much other stuff. And that was almost 20 years ago. And I think probably a thousand times I've had someone yell at me from across the street or meeting me and talking about me and Turtle and Drama crossing swords. Like we did not think that was going to be the thing that (laughs) stuck out in that episode. And oh boy, did it. Because I've been hearing that for 20 years almost. (laughs) I love it. Greatest hits. Oh, no, I, I am thoroughly enjoying it, and this season's really good. Love the trip to Sundance and love the Bob Saget cameo. I'm really excited that there's going to be more of that. Yeah, you got some good ones coming up, though. I know where you are now, roughly. You got some You got some really... The season two and three back-to-back are, I think, the two best seasons, so... All right. I'll have more questions next week. Don't worry. The Lions All right, guys, let's just keep this NFL kickoff excitement going. All right, that's pretty good. But here's the deal. This season, we're going to do something a little different than last year, Peter. Each week, we're going to give you $100, and you can bet. You can break it down really however you want. Four $25 bets, $10, $10 bets, whatever you want. As always, everyone at home should bet responsibly, as we will here. Peter will keep track of his bankroll every week. So we're going to call this the Unleashed $100 Challenge. So let's go. Yeah, so, you know, for everybody, again, pretend $100, let's call it $10 as a unit. That's, I think, a good way for you to compare it to how much you're spending. To Olivia's point, bet responsibly, but, you know, this is how I spend my 100 every week. I'll probably start with my lock. I love Carolina at home, minus two against Cleveland. 50 bucks, so let's call it five units on that. I've sold myself into this, and we talked about this last week, too. Return of CMC. Baker versus whole team, Jacoby Brissett oh, yeah. under center. I see a lot of things happen in that game. I think it's a Baker revenge game. I know he's going to have to face uh, a pretty stout defense, especially D-line. But DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, CMC on the checkdowns, CMC for probably 30 rushes in the game. I think they win probably by two touchdowns. I've gotten a bit of brush back from some buddies on that, but that's my lock of the week. Oh, Lock I like it. Of the week. Wow. I, like it. I, I could push back on that. Uh, I, I like, I, well, I want to book that one. Yeah. I try not to have too many storylines dictate where the money goes. Right. But that's a big one. Baker's been pretty open and honest about that situation. The other side of things, Miles Garrett has said, cannot wait to sack him. I mean, you can look at it both oh, ways, yeah. but I think at home plays a big factor. Team's going to be excited. Sadly, this might be the best QB that. McCaffrey's ever had because Cam Newton came a bit late in his tenure. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they work together, but this is a big game for him. This dictates, I think we talked about it, you know, last week with comeback player of the year. He has a good game here. This sets up nicely for the rest of the season for them and puts them maybe in a a playoff position or in the conversation as the season goes on. I'm in on that one. Well, that's half your bankroll on your lock of the week. That is half. So 
that is half, so it's a big deal. Um, next one, again, I've been getting a little bit of brush back on two and a half units, so 25 bucks, Texans plus eight and a half. This is, uh, <laughs> this is <laughs> all around for me. A bit of hype on the Colts. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor was unbelievable last year. Matt Ryan, Pittman. I mean, you have a, a really, really solid offense. It's going to be really tough for Jonathan Taylor to, to take that leap up again and be a contender for probably MVP and Offensive Player of the Year. I think they take a slight step back. But for me, it's Damian Pierce. So Damian Pierce has come in. They've released Marlon Mack immediately. He's a fourth-round pick out of Florida. Incredible college career. He ran all over the Niners last week of preseason. And I know, you know, you don't take too much stock in that, but the way he was running, finding holes was really impressive. If you don't think he's the future of your team, you're not going to just drop every one of your solid halfbacks. So I think they're going to run around this guy. I mean, he is going to be the team. I have him as probably the breakout player of the year. Took him in fantasy, ninth round pick. So I'm pretty happy about that. Ninth round. I want to be in your league. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so it is, it is all around him. And let me take a step back. I'll also give you just some prices on on these things. So first bet was minus 110, 50 to win $45 roughly, and then that bet 25 to win 47. So we'll track this every week, make sure we're giving you the numbers that I'm hopefully up, maybe down. We'll see. Jerry, it sounded like you like this one. I disagree. I do think the Texans will be better this year, but I like the Colts with Matt Ryan. It's their fifth different season starter in five seasons, but Matt Ryan is a pro's pro, a vet. He can assimilate quickly. Guys are going to like him. Their defense has improved in Indy, so I think they'll cover the eight and a half. I, I don't like that one, Pete. I was with you until that one. It's all right. Agree to disagree. We're not always going to be on the same page, but I think it'll be a better game than people think. I know you hear Davis Mills and you say, eh, I don't think they have a shot, but we'll see. Yeah, I'm with you. Like I, I you know, I hear what you're saying, Olivia, and you got to imagine the Colts are going to come out with the way they ended last season, there's still a lot of players from the team last year. I know Carson Wentz is gone, but pretty much the team is intact aside from that. So they definitely are going to have to make a statement after that game. But I do think it might not be this week. I've talked about the Texans a lot on this show. I think the Texans are competent. I know that sounds like a backhanded compliment in a way. I think they're a very competent team. The plus eight and a half and you only did 25, I, I I would roll with that. But yeah, I, I could definitely see the world where 37 to three Colts final because the Texans can't score. But I'm telling you, yeah, like I like that you're already looking at the Texans in week one because we got to figure out what their four, three upsets are going to be because I think we have two or yeah. three. We got to figure out what they're going to be. Not this one, not week one. Okay, so that's 75 of your 100. You got 25 bucks or two and a half units left to play with. All right, let's get there. Let's hear what you got. And I hope we got some odds coming to us. What do you got? So I'm going to, this is what I'm calling my pander parlay because I've picked all of our favorite teams or one of Olivia's favorite teams uh, for this 1.5 units. So $15 Niners minus seven giants plus six, which I love even more now chiefs minus four and a half against Arizona uh, plus 600. So 15 to win one Oh five total, including, including your stake back. Um, again, these are, I normally wouldn't do this and pander a bit to you guys, but I love all three of these games here. I think you look at, we talked about it last week, Niners, a really, really good defense. I think personally best defense in the league potentially against a not so great, uh, bears offense. Justin Fields, I think is going to struggle mainly because of his offensive line. Some of his support. It's one of those situations. It's like Daniel Jones. It's not really because of him. It's because everything else around him. 
So I really like the Niners to cover and probably blow that game away. Giants at Tennessee. Harold Landry, who was the sack leader on the Tennessee Titans last year, out for the year, torn ACL last week. I think Wednesday was announced. That's a big deal. That's going to give a lot of time for for DJ. I think Saquon, again, comes back, has a really, really strong year, sets the tempo here. Him versus Derrick Henry week one. I think that's a little bit of a personal test for him to to make sure he's matching what's on the other side of the ball. So plus six there, I think that's a pretty reasonable amount of points. I know you're a bit under that touchdown mark, but I think they could keep the game close and potentially pull it off on the road, which would be great. And then last one, Chiefs minus four and a half at Arizona. I see a lot of problems with this Arizona offense. I mean, you're losing guys like Christian Kirk, DeAndre Hopkins is out on suspension. The team really runs around Hollywood Brown, James Conner. I just don't see them with the same type of performance or same type of production. I know Hollywood Brown is that deep threat, as was a guy like Christian Kirk, but you're losing a lot of production value with DeAndre Hopkins out for first bit of the season. And then on the Chiefs side, I've kind of sold myself into all these different weapons where they're going to be throwing the ball around a lot to different people. You have Kelsey that's that kind of quote-unquote number one receiver, but you have a lot of different options, whether it's Valdez Scanling, obviously Juju. I think there's a lot of weapons there. The one question mark always for me is just Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He's had, I think, a pretty underwhelming first two years. So to recap that one, Niners minus seven, Giants plus six in Tennessee, Chiefs minus four and a half. You got that one at 15 plus 600, so 15 bucks to win 105. I like that one a lot. I might actually... I might actually roll with you on that one with some of my entourage money responsibly, of course. And yeah, so you got 10 bucks left. Now that you're in Ferrara territory, you're in lotto ticket time. And I am going to throw a few lotto tickets at you before you go. We'll do maybe like a quick hit, but now we're in Ferrara territory of the lotto tickets. You got 10 bucks left, Mr. Andrew. Yeah. So this is one game parlay territory. This is a $10 flyer. You put it on something big. I'll read it off first, and then I'll kind of get through each of the the different prop bets. So for everybody else, one game parlay, amazing feature, allows you to take any prop bets, any team bets, bunch it all together from one specific game. So for me, it's Thursday Night Football, Bills minus two and a half at LA. It's a banner ceremony, obviously Super Bowl winners last year. So I got Bills minus two and a half. Allen Robinson, new addition to the Rams, anytime touchdown, score any point in the game. Josh Allen over 274 and a half passing yards. Diggs over 69 and a half receiving yards. And then this one didn't make sense. Cup is only 94 and a half receiving yards. I took the over on that too. Both of those guys, if I start backwards, every week one opener for the last couple of years, they're targeted 13 to 15 times. I think they both had eight or nine catches last year, home opener. I don't think that's by chance. I think it's dictating where the offense goes for the rest of the season. Get them, you know, get them both going early. Wide receiver ones, Cooper Cup, probably best wide receiver in the league. You start off and get them rolling early. I think there are some question marks still on both defensive teams. I know Rams have a very, very strong defense, but I think Diggs versus Ramsey is an interesting matchup. And then, of course, Cooper Cup. He's Cooper Cup. He's going to come out. He's going to have 100 yards minimum. He's going to have a touchdown. He does what he does every year, and I don't think it's going to stop. Even with a new contract, he's not going to see any lull. Josh Allen, I think they're going to be passing the ball a lot on Thursday night. I have question marks on both sides of the running position for both teams. Cam Akers back from injury. I know he came back late last year. And I think Bills have had a very, very interesting situation at running back. I'm not a big fan of Devin Singletary and Zach Moss combo. 
It just seems like they're missing that true RB1. There are signs of breakout performances, but it's not consistent like it should be. Allen Robinson, I think, is going to be a huge asset for Stafford this year. Such a sure-handed guy. I think he's going to see a lot of the DB2 coverage. He's going to see less double teams. You're going to see safeties like Poyer over the top watching Cup. I think that's going to open things up for him. I can see him scoring for certainly for uh, for week one. And then going back to that Bills two and a half, my biggest thing that I bet in every single sport, if there's a banner night, fade them. Uh, honestly, I remember last year, Rangers <laughs> game, Henrik Lundqvist retirement night, fade the Rangers. Anytime they're doing ring ceremonies, fade them. For some reason, they just come out with a slump. I feel like I hit 75% of the time on those. So I'm just never going to stop. I love this rule of thumb. That's so good. Honestly, it feels too accurate to be true a lot of times. Mm. I think we should all finish this segment on the count of three by saying the two words that every Broncos fan is going to say going into uh, this weekend. It hurts Are you ready? Say. Let's see how bad our Wi-Fi delay is. One, two, Let's lose. three. Let's lose. Let's, Let's ride. ride. <laughs> <laughs> Peter, thank you so much, as always, for your great insight. Love your $100 picks and it's going to be fun to do this all season you know we're going to keep track so you better do your research every weekend but thanks so much for joining us yeah check my tickets on twitter i'll be sending you guys the vegas tickets from our sports book so uh it's gonna be a fun weekend thank you peter all right peter thank you I look forward to keeping track of uh of your hundred dollars each and every week that'll be fun and something else is gonna be fun i gotta say we're giving every customer at BetMGM a completely free bet to use on a one-game parlay. Starting Wednesday, just log into your account, and your free bet will be waiting for you in your bet slip. You use it on any wow. NFL Week 1 game, whether it's Thursday Night Football, Sunday Slated Games, or a Monday Night Football. Pick your favorite OGP and lock in your bet. OGP. I like that. That offer runs from Wednesday through Monday, so log in now to claim your free bet. That's a great offer. Next week, I'm so excited, Jerry. We have Jay Glazer. He's your buddy. And we'll talk more NFL. So that'll be really good next week. Yes. Let's just get, yeah. Let's, I cannot wait to break down games next week. So thank you, everybody, for listening. And uh, let's, let's just get to it. Let's get to it. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility.